It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. You can find Blackballed on The Ringer NFL feed. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears. Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the full go. Love the full go. The full go. The full go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Like I'm gonna I'm die on my shield, man. I'm a, the shit that got me here is gonna be the shit that take me out. I, I already go. know, and it's done it a few times, <laughs> and I'm still standing <laughs> out here. So, you know, shout out to shout out to all the mess, shout out to all the sucky shit that goes on in these podcast streets. You know, I digress. We can get into the old sports route, but uh, <laughs> yeah, man. To anybody out there listening, if you're riding with us, truly appreciate you. And if you're not, <laughs> why are you here? It's as simple as that. Uh, what episode is this? 225. Oh, episode 225 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. I'm Jason Goff, and the voice that you have already heard is that of the active Jesse Lopez hanging out in the, uh, Cali, doing what he does. I got some questions for you, too, man, because this Wednesday game against the Lakers is going to be hilarious. I want to know, well, before we get to that, before we get to all of that, um, man. I really had a revelation the other day. I had a revelation about baseball and coming to grips with my feelings about baseball and my thoughts about the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs and covering them for this podcast. And, you know, I've always been the dude who um, I gravitated towards baseball late in life. And baseball, I've always said, is the sport that's kind of handed down, you know, uh, paternally, right? Like, Somebody gives you baseball. 
whereas I can run around and figure out how to play basketball, football. Of course, people can give you basketball and football, but baseball always seemed like the sport that an uncle or an aunt or grandfather or a grandmother, somebody like gave you and said, here's this precious gem of a sport. Now go do it as you may. And as a kid growing up in the city of Chicago on the north side, you know, when we lived in Rogers Park and bounced around for a little bit before we moved uh, to Evanston, I was always around Cubs fans. And if you don't know the story, I was always around Cubs fans until I was 12, 13 years old and then realized, oh, man, this is it's a team that's not too far away from where my grandmother stays, the, the place that I was every single weekend, you know, uh, 8845 South State Street. Now, I know 35th and Shields doesn't seem close proximity-wise, right? To be exact, it's about, what, 45, 50 blocks away. But in terms of regions, this, this city was cut up for me as a child in the three spots. It's the west side, the north side, and the south side. That's it. You know, obviously, we've had this east side discussion and argument uh, between the two Chicagos over the last, you know, few years or whatever the case may be, because white folks say, you know, the east side is the lake. There's no one who lives on the east side. And then you got all the black folks who live on the east side. It's like, no, 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 there's an east side. But the city has been cut up in three, three pieces for me for the entirety of my life. And when I was a kid, going over to my grandmother's house all the time and being around the, the, the south side energy, um, all of a sudden, at 35th and Shields, there's, there seemed to be a young and up-and-coming, star-studded, young stars, but star-studded team. And Frank Thomas, Jack McDowell, Wilson Alvarez, Alex Fernandez, you know, shout out to Jason Beret. <laughs> you know, Ron Karkovice behind the play. Wasn't a star. Odd-looking gentleman, but wasn't a star. But, you know, RoboCop. No, that's James Thornton. I'm tripping right now. Why did I, I, I transplace James Thornton and Ron Karkovice just now? See, my, my old sports memory is happening to me. But no, shout-out to Ron Karkovice. Um, You know, Ozzie Gein, one of the more vibrant and uh, attractive figures as a kid, sports-wise, to my eye. Like, the dude was always smiling. He was always in the mix. He was fiery. He was the rookie of the year. Like, I got handed to me a team that I was ready to ride with for the foreseeable future. And I have. And I have. Now, fast forward, after being in the business uh, for however many, many years I've been, like, I've been in the business for over half my life now. I got into the business when I was 20 years old, and now I'm 42. So seeing how the sausage is made, covering baseball seasons year after year, flying out to Glendale, Arizona for spring training, you know, and doing all the things that we did on all of those spring training trips, because boy, 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 the things we took pictures of and the things we engaged in, um, shout out to cancel culture and not being a part of it. Uh, but seriously, though, man, I have been around baseball for all of my professional adult life. And now we sit here so many years from the time that the sport was introduced to me and all the rule changes that have, that have gone into effect this year. This season, I am going into the baseball season because I won't, I won't leave this out either. What COVID did to me sports-wise, I think it kind of trimmed, not the fat, but it made me really key in on what I was interested in. Because at the time when the pandemic hit and all sports went away and we were worrying about breathing on each other and wiping down our groceries and all the other stuff that we were doing when the, when the pandemic first hit, because, you know, some say it's still going on and some people are still out here getting sick, apparently, whatever the case may be. But, man, I kind of started trimming the fat and college sports went and baseball was still around, but 
watching baseball games in those empty-ass stadiums in the truncated season. Like, for instance, the Jose Abreu season, like, I, I know he's the MVP, and, and that's why people are making a big deal of him not being here because of the leadership hole that he leaves. And, of course, he goes to the Astros and makes them stronger, a team that has thumped your ass the last couple of postseasons that you have been at, you know, at play. I mean, come on now. There's a reason why people were upset about that. But I also, as a Sox fan, was waiting for 2020, was waiting for the arrival of not only the prospects like Luis Robert, waiting for the arrival, the actual arrival of stardom for Eloy Jimenez, Yoan Moncada. Tim Anderson was on the cusp of superstardom because of what he did, not only that season, but, you know, the Iowa game where he hits the home run and all of a sudden people are calling him Little Ricky and, you know, putting him up there with the new face of baseball and how the sport should be played. Like, I was ready to roll. I was down for the crown. You couldn't tell me anything about what my Sox fan life was getting ready to be in this, you know, back nine of Sox fandom for me. But also, my son's six years old. So I was getting ready to introduce him to a sport that, uh, my dad didn't introduce me to, right? Because my dad, from being from Belize, you know, dudes like soccer, <laughs> dudes like cycling, them dudes like a lot of different sports. Baseball really wasn't on the menu. So I was looking for that time. I was looking forward to that time of taking Jay to baseball games, taking Jay to meet Sox players, trying to get him on the field, taking him to Wrigley Field. Hey, if this you want this to be your option, right? Like, my sister is a big Cubs fan, so, you know, her influence may have shined through at some point. I'm like, hey, let's get it on. And since those moments, we have had disappointing seasons, and especially last year. Last year was as disappointing a sports season as I can remember in terms of what the expectations were and what the results became. So now going into the spring training, if you notice, we haven't done a whole lot right? Because I'm actually honing in on talking about things that interest me the most on this pod instead of spraying all fields and losing people, right? Like, talk about the things that interest you. Next thing you know, you might have the, uh, you know, the, the excitement and enthusiasm in your voice. People pick up on it. They like hanging out with you for 45 minutes to an hour. But slowly but surely, with the addition of the new manager, Pedro Grifo, and of course, the Andrew Benintendi signing, which, you know, Great fielder, decent stick, not much power. Won't throw him out there and left, see what happens. I hope Eloy Jimenez is ready to not play left field. Right? I hope Eloy Jimenez is ready to DH as much as he possibly can, even though he's still putting up a, you know, a verbal, I won't say fight, but he put he gives some pushback still to the idea. Yo, Mancada already is a little banged up coming off the World Baseball Classic, trying to see what that season is looking like after last year where he hit what, 212, something like that. 10 home runs, 50 RBI. Yasmani Grandal was awful last year. Like, there was a lot of reasons to turn away from Sox baseball. And they still finished 500, even though it didn't feel good. Like, certain, like if the Royals or the Twins finished 500, you're like, oh, okay, that was a good season for them. Guardians, hell, before that last year explosion, where the Guardians was like, no, 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 we, we still, you know, Terry Francona and the boys still know how to play baseball. All of a sudden, Stephen Wong and them dudes come of age, and Josh Naylor is hitting home runs that he shouldn't be hitting because you shouldn't be pitching to him in late-inning situations, especially in fastball counts, throwing them fastballs. Like, there were a whole bunch of things that kind of soured me on White Sox baseball. The Tony La Russa experiment was a failure, an abject failure. And if Rick Hahn did not have the power and 
and Jerry Reinsdorf appointed a manager and all the things that we talked about the last couple of seasons, well, it, it, it leaves you to question what kind of power he has going forward. And how disappointing the season, how underwhelming the season, and how embarrassing, frankly, the season was. But this year is a different vibe. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Opening day is Thursday around Major League Baseball. I mean, if you're a White Sox fan right now, I, I don't know how you're feeling, but the anxiety has got to be mounting because you saw what you saw last year and the last taste that you got of this team, it was sour. So now in spring training, there's been pretty nondescript. Right. I mean, it's been born on both sides of town, to be honest with you. People worried about Dansby Swanson on, on the north side of town. People worried about Marcus Stroman. And the next thing that he's going to tweet on the north side of town, people worried about what this team is going to look like. Is Cody Bellinger a, a, a low risk, high reward signing or is he a dude who's on the way out in terms of his MLB viability? And this just this is his last stop, you know, the say Suzuki injuries. Like, there's a lot of questions on both sides of town, but I am, I am looking forward to this baseball season unlike any that I have in about a few years. And I'm talking about on both sides of town. My man Lawrence Holmes blessed us with his presence last pod and talked about Ed Wisniewski and all the, all the young dudes that are coming up for the Cubs and the Cubs trying to do this, like, rolling rebuild, even though they don't want to call it a rebuild. Nico Horner gets signed to a three-year, $35 million deal. So now he and Dansby Swanson are going to be the, 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 the keystone connection right there, right? For four years. For the next four years, you know who your shortstop and second baseman should be. And especially with the lack of defensive shifting and, you know, playing guys straight up, the range factor and the range ability of your second baseman now is paramount. So to have a guy who played shortstop, Playing second base should be a plus. You got Kyle Hendricks. You got Marcus Stroman. You got a lot of guys going to throw a lot of ground balls. Now, how good is Nico Horner? I'm still in a wait-and-see mode. <laughs> I mean, I think we all are. How good can he be? We know the prospect that he was touted to be. But is he more than a slap hitter? The Ian Happ situation. Like, Ian Happ, he's up for money, too. See, that extension didn't come. So will he test the market? Will he find his market value after coming off of a golden, a gold glove season, after coming off an all-star season? And he's been the face of this team over the last couple of years while you've been in transition. And I still don't understand and won't for the life of me understand the Wilson Contreras thing. You can talk to me all you want, but I know that a lot of water carriers for that team have done the whole, well, he wasn't in there. He, he wasn't in their plans. He's, he's just not part of the kind of clubhouse they want to go with. Man, let me tell y'all something right now. At that position, to have that kind of offensive firepower and to play as many games as that dude does play, yeah, man, uh, sometimes you just got to have talent and maybe insulate what the, what the fallback or the pushback should be or would be in terms of his character or personality quirks, all this other shit. This is a results-based business. 2016 now seems like eons ago. And I know Cubs fans are like, hey, hold on, man. It was 108 years. I know. I know. But sustained success is what Theo Epstein promised and what Jed Hoyer doubled down on. So now you're looking at this thing on the north side and the season they had, second half of the season, nobody was really looking. But they played some pretty damn good baseball. They played baseball that would inspire you to think, okay, they're on an upward trend. How slow that trend is, we'll see. The expectations for them this year, 
I don't expect them to finish any higher than third in the division, but we'll see. I don't trust Milwaukee's pitching, even though they went out and made some moves. The Pirates and the Reds, trash. Don't have to worry about that. We'll see what the Cubs have to offer. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln and the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid. Featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Hey guys, this is Ozzy Guille, and you are listening to the full go with Jason Goff on the Ringer in a Spot Five. But the South Side of things, I mean, if you were to ask me today, what kind of win total am I putting on this squad? I'd probably go somewhere around 85, 86. Now I know the projections have them being an under 500 team. Bakota, if I'm not mistaken, has them around 77, 78. And if you just take a look at the talent, I mean, in the starting lineup, the starting lineup right now projected to be Tim Anderson leading off, Luis Robert Jr. and center field batting second. You got Andrew Benintendi in that third spot in left field. The DH, until further notice, is Eloy Jimenez. Yoan Mankata at third. You got Andrew Vaughn, who all the pressure in the world is on, even though it shouldn't be. I mean, you got Paul Konerko, you got Frank Thomas, and most recently you got Pito. Jose Abreu, the first base position over the last two decades has been manned by potential Hall of Famers or Hall of Famers. Now, Andrew Vaughn, who a lot of people in the organization say is the next one up, I wouldn't want to put that pressure on Andrew Vaughn. And I'm damn sure glad he took an outfielder's glove off because we saw what it was in the outfield for the last couple of years trying to mix and match and throw him in the lineups just to get his bat in there and sacrifice runs in the outfit. You can't do that right now in baseball, especially with guys getting ready to take extra bases with the bases being bigger. The running game is going to be accentuated that much more. The pitch clock has shown that there is more happening in terms of stolen bases and people taking extra bases. So you don't want a guy out there who's going to be a a defensive liability. Got no problem with Andrew Vaughn being in first base. I'm looking forward to see him get, you know, a 450, 500 plate appearance season so we can see if he is the 25 home run, you know, uh, 745, 750, 760, 765 plus OPS guy. And like I mentioned, Yasmani Grandal, huge free agent signing, one of the biggest free agent signings in White Sox history in turn monetarily. And he was horrible last year. He was hurt and he was bad. Couldn't stop the running game, couldn't hit. Not a good place to be if you're a catcher. You know, too much counting on Seve last year. And then you got Oscar Colas in right field, which I think is one of the more interesting developments with this team because when prospects come up for the White Sox, White Sox fans are used to seeing those prospects play immediately. Now, with what Pedro Grafol has had to say this spring training about not giving a damn what his prospect ranking is, what he means to the organization, and I'm, 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 I'm summarizing, by the way. These ain't exact quotes. But the fact that he's got to actually play the kind of baseball that Pedro is preaching out there, I think is a great, a great template for him. I think it's a great starting point. 
no matter how good you are, if you're not throwing to the correct base, if you're not throwing, hitting the cutoff, man, if you're not shortening up on that swing with two strikes, if you're not doing what the scouting report asks for you to do, and also not running hard, not going to be out there, no matter who you are. I like that launching point for an organization that needed a facelift, that needed a makeover, and they did it with the manager. Now, you're going to find out this year how many games a manager is worth, but you're also going to find out, I think, how many games health is worth. I mean, half or more than half the guys I mentioned missed 40 or more games. Like, can you imagine what this lineup will look like with Tim Anderson playing a buck 30, Luis Robert playing at least 125, 130, Eloy Jimenez playing 125, 130, you know, Andrew Vaughn getting out there for 130, 135, 140 games at first base. Oscar Colas being whatever he needs to be. And Elvis Andrews, like I just mentioned with Nico Horner. Defensively, this team was horrible last year. It's one of the worst teams in baseball defensively last year. Well, you got two guys who are shortstops. One's playing shortstop and Tim Anderson. The other guy's Elvis Andrews at second base. So the excuses have been removed. I'm still on my 2020 is the time, and we are now in the third year of that window, and windows close quickly in baseball, as we see with every passing trade deadline. Because the trade deadline is your time to, uh, to commit to, are we in it or not? Every single year in baseball, which I've always found fascinating, I've always found um, interesting that you have to tell your fan base, we're going forward or we're not. Every single year, there's a... a a recalibration of the inventory. So for this team, you're already three years into your window. How many more trade deadlines are going to pass by when you've got an underwhelming team and you're not moving pieces around? Big pieces at that. So I do think this is a proven year for Yoan Moncada. This is a proven year for Eloy Jimenez. Hell, this is a proven year for Rick Hahn. And he's got his finger on the button of all those players. So the managerial hire, and of course, let's get to the strength of this team to me which is the pitching staff, if you can keep four of these five guys healthy for at least 175, 165 innings. And I'm talking about Dylan Cease, the guy who finished second in, in the AO Cy Young voting last year, 14-8 and eight record, 2.20 ERA. What do you have, 220-some-odd strikeouts in 184 innings pitched? Back that up with Lance Lynn. Hopefully you can get a healthy season out of him. Banged up last year a couple of different times, but still a bulldog. And, and dude, by the way, I like when dudes talk that shit off of a bad season and call people out. That's what Lance Lynn has done at every time a microphone has been put in front of his face. He has placed the chip squarely on the shoulders of his teammates that maybe don't think one needs to be there, maybe aren't aware that one should be there, or simply don't have one there. He's putting pressure on a lot of people in that clubhouse, and I'm all for it. Because either you can walk the walk and talk the talk, or you got to get the step. White Sox fans are not forgiven. They're not waiting around for you. And you, we already know, you ain't showing up if you ain't good. It's too damn cold in March and April in Chicago for you to be pussyfoot and getting off to a bad start. But like I mentioned, Lance Lynn, and then you got Lucas Giolito, who hopefully, you know, another year under Ethan Katz, actually a real spring training, right? Because he didn't have that last year get back to the form that we saw a couple of years ago where he was an AL Cy Young candidate. 
11 and 9 ain't going to do it. Obviously, wins and losses don't matter for pitchers. But 490 ERA, 61 walks and 161 innings pitched. Like, it just can't happen. It just can't happen. He gave up 24 long balls last year. He had a staff high 1.435 whip. Can't happen. Lucas Giolito is better than he showed last year. Hopefully he's in better shape. Hopefully he's healthy. And hopefully Ethan Katz has unlocked something. And then you got the guy that everybody's been looking at, Mike Clevenger. Brought the bad vibes this offseason with the domestic dispute, the domestic violence allegations, the investigation done by Major League Baseball. They didn't find enough evidence to suspend. You go forward, even if you, you, you know, you got to hold your nose because of the, some of the details. But this is a guy, what, year and a half after TJ surgery, this should be the time. <laughs> White Sox fans know that the White Sox have dabbled in year after year after year organizationally on the guy who's bouncing back after the Tommy John surgery. We've seen it. Hell, you can go all the way back to Matt Thornton back in the day. And then you got Michael Kopech, who I think is the most interesting of everybody in this staff, including Dylan Cease. What Michael Kopech was drafted to be has to happen this year. Only got 119 innings pitched out of him last year, 105 strikeouts, 57 walks. Got to bring the walks down. Has to understand that you don't have to strike everybody out. Every count doesn't have to go full. But more importantly, I want to see this dude be economical and efficient with pitches so that Michael Kopech can pitch the 165, 175 innings that we all need to see him pitch. Because if he does that, this White Sox staff is unbeatable. You got a couple of guys, actually three guys, who I think could be aces on other staffs, in Lance Lynn, Dylan Cease, and then Michael Kopech, talent-wise. Just got to put it together. So as the baseball season draws near, Thursday's opening day, looking forward to it. It's going to be cold as hell, but everybody's going to feel like summer is here. I'm back in. Now, we'll see what the White Sox do. Of course, the Cubs are in a different, they're in a different bin. I still think the Cubs are in the wait and see bin, even though they've gone out and spent money the last couple of years on free agents, whether it be Seiya Suzuki or Dansby Swanson. But I still think Cubs fans are trying to see what Jed Hoyer can put together sans Theo Epstein, sans all the Theo Epstein core players. And let's not fake the funk here. Jed Hoyer obviously had a lot to do with the amassing of that much talent to go on and win a, a World Series. But now that we've cleared the, the Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, uh, you know, Chris Bryant era, you know, Kyle Hendricks, one of the, the holdovers, David Ross, obviously the manager, one of the holdovers from that era. But now that we've, we've got enough room, you know, a little arm's distance from that time, it's time to see what kind of architect Jed Hoyer is and will be. What financial restraints he has from the Ricketts family. or do they throw the purse strings open and say, hey, trade deadline, go get who you need to get because they're in this thing. So there's hope on both sides of town for different reasons, obviously. The expectations are different. But man, I'm, I'm jazzed. I'm ready. Because last year was as bad a taste baseball-wise as I've had in a very, very long time. And we've seen horrible seasons in this city. But last year was bad for myriad reasons. And one of them being the expectations were high and weren't met. So, hey, play ball. I'm down, even though it's going to be cold as hell. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. 
Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Bulls Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. So by the time people hear this, shout out to all you uh, third shifters who listen overnight when this joint gets dropped. We, we see you and uh, we're praying for you to be honest with you, because uh, third shift is a is a mean one. So shout out to y'all who download this joint at like one, two, three in the morning. Props to y'all. In fact, this summer, I'm going to try to figure out how I can uh, start to disseminate some shirts and some things with the full go on it so we could, um, we could take over the streets virally the way we're supposed to. But uh, shout out to y'all. But if you are uh, listening to this on Wednesday morning or Wednesday evening, whenever you do, you are getting ready for Bulls Lakers. Yeah, buddy. Huh? How about those Bulls? Suck you in with a terrific, terrific couple of games. And then all of a sudden, they forget how to fucking play defense against the LA Clippers. Huh? Who, who had Nicholas Batum hitting eight three pointers on their bingo card? Huh? Huh? Who had Eric? Well, you should have Eric Gordon hitting six or seven threes because that's what he does. And that's the problem. Bulls let go of the rope again which is why I had no problem saying that I was going to wear the Steve Austin, the Stone Cold Steve Austin outfit or costume if they won five games in a row. Because guess what? It was never in doubt. Because this team, for whatever reason, takes two steps forward, takes one step back. Zach Levine playing like a monster lately. You know, DeMar DeRozan messing around, dragging that right leg, still going out there time after time. I commend both of those fellas. But in the end, man, the the remedy that is Patrick Beverly only lasts in short bursts. You revert back to who you are. You know why people hire trainers? Physical trainers, that is. Uh, One, uh, you know, to have sex with them. Two, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, Jesse. <laughs> Two, uh, that, that was an unexpected first one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I mean, it's not in that order, obviously, right? But you know, no, no, of course, yeah, not. of course. Yeah, not. Yeah. I, I don't give a damn who you are out there. Like, if your lady is going to a physical trainer and you are who you are, and if you're listening right now, you know, just, just know yeah, there's a possibility. You know, hey, I, hey, hey. My lady has a physical trainer. <laughs> like I'm not. I've seen how he looks. I see how I look. <laughs> if, if shit goes down, yeah, what you gonna do? 
I, I see myself walk past the, the mirror naked. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> but, but I digress. It is what it is kind of thing, right? <laughs> right, hey, man. It is what it is. <laughs> hey, here's a, little, here's a little advice for y'all out here. You cannot stop your significant other from cheating. <laughs> it cannot happen. You will not be the reason why. If they want to do that, they will do that. I hope I have alleviated any of the fears that y'all are walking around here with. And if not, I hope I have... Uh, struck fear into your heart and now you're sending that nasty text right now to like hey uh i need to meet this physical trainer but no seriously i i'm just messing with y'all out there all of those are jokes unless it's happening to you and if it is happening to you i apologize for the trigger uh but but no man you get a physical trainer because you want to do the exercise the right way you need guidance you need help right a lot of times we do these exercises and when the fatigue sets in, we start to do them wrong because we start reverting to who we truly are. You know, that saying fatigue makes cowards of us all. Well, fatigue also makes you undisciplined. Fatigue also makes you forgetful. Fatigue does a lot of things. And I think the part that I'm trying to attach to the bulls is it's not the fatigue. Tough moments, pressure-filled and pressure-packed instances, games, quarters, weeks, you revert to who you are. This team defensively has been outstanding, outstanding since the turn of the new year. They've been one of the five best defensive teams in the league. Shout out to them. But when it comes to recognition, that is the main issue that I have had with this team all year long. And I think it's part of the reason why they are a sub-500 team with the amount of talent that they have on them. Like, I'm not saying that the Bulls should be what the Celtics or the Milwaukee Bucks or the Philadelphia 76ers are, but you damn well believe with the talent that they had, yes, I think they should be somewhere around that four through six area. I think that they should be out of the play-in. They should be in that Cavs area, to me. They should be in that Knicks area, to me. And whenever I see games where the rope is let go of, it's all about recognition. And more times than that happens on the offensive end when all of a sudden they forget that Nikola Vucevic is a big part of the team, especially offensively, and how he's a willing passer and he compromises the defense and moves the ball around. Or, you know, he's got some pretty decent post moves. Like, Vuce is going to take his 18 points and 11 rebounds into this offseason and have some suitors. Okay? Please believe that. But it's the lack of recognition. In possessions, there is lack of recognition. So for it to happen on the defensive end, down the stretch where you need every single one of these games. You know, I really learn a lot from and love listening to and love learning from my my partners on the pre- and post-game show, Kendall Gill and Will Purdue. But I couldn't disagree with them more this last post-game. After the Clippers game where you know, Will made some some uh, comment to the effect of, uh, you know, take this game and ball it up. No, no, ball it up. You've been balling up too many. That's why you're two or three games under 500. That's why you're battling for your playing lives. Take this game and let it set in. You got eight, seven games left. <laughs> ain't, ain't no one of 82 anymore. I got no problem with the Bulls just getting beat, just out-talented. I got no problem with that. Sometimes that happens. What I do have a problem with is the lack of recognition. 
and the, the basketball acuity that seems to escape this team in need moments, need possessions, need situations, and more importantly now down the stretch, need games. You needed to beat the L.A. Clippers, and they were right there for the beating, by the way. Kawhi Leonard didn't have to be special at all. There's no Paul George out there, right? Norman Powell, who's known as a Bulls killer these last couple of years, is hurt. Russell Westbrook, you already know he's coming guns blazing because that's what Russell Westbrook does every single time out. Same reason why you love Russell. Same reason why some people hate him because he ain't going to stop. He's going to keep on going. And of course, you know the interactions between him and Pat Beverly before they became teammates on the, on the Los Angeles Lakers squad. So yeah, you knew Russell was coming. He was out for blood. And neither one of those dudes really had to go extremely hard because what happened? Nicholas Batum was left open in so many situations because of scramble, closeouts, dribble, drive, penetration, the likes that we hadn't seen. And this is the other thing, too, man. I'm tired of things being blamed on not having Alex Caruso or not having Javante Green. Like, no more excuses should be made. There's no excuses should be... If it ain't good enough for y'all, why is it good enough for the fans? Like, if y'all ain't making no excuses, which I commend the Bulls for, because I haven't heard much excuse-making. But I'm not going to sit here and make them for you. That's a game that you have to win. You know why you had to win it? Because you put yourself in this position in the first goddamn place. So, yeah, that Clippers game, no bueno. And Will broke it down to four three-game pods. When there was 12 games left a few games ago, just go two and one in each one of these little three-game pods, you good money. Well, guess what? You're one and one in this last three-game pod. And now on Wednesday, You've got the Los Angeles Lakers at the United Center. Now, this is where Patrick Beverly and the Pat Bev effect comes in because at the end of the Lakers game at Crypto.com Arena on Sunday, Patrick Beverly made a gesture to LeBron James at the end of that game. When the game was out of hand, they were up, I believe, 18, 19 points. Went to the lane, did a little reverse pivot. LeBron's really not moving the way he's supposed to be moving. East and west, north and south, he's doing what he needs to do, but laterally doesn't have it. Got shook out his shoes a little bit, jumped on a pump fake. No bodily contact whatsoever, and Patrick Beverly hits the little teardrop layup. Motions to the ground, puts his hand about six or seven inches off the ground to denote that LeBron James was too little. Let me tell y'all something right now. In a, in a three-game pod where you one and one the last thing you want to do is wake up LeBron James. So I'm ready for it. I'm looking forward to it. Anthony Davis, always banged up, but when he's out there, terrifically talented. LeBron James hasn't played in three days. If he is going to the LeBron James or Foot Doctors, which I believe is the dude in Charlotte, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, it's going to be theater. This is going to be must-see TV. Zach Levine went crazy in L.A. He's been going crazy this entire March. DeMar DeRozan has had to take like a little bit of a sidekick role. I'm looking forward to seeing not only how those two play in a need situation, in a must-win situation, but also how they face the challenge of LeBron James being embarrassed. Because LeBron James right now, I don't know if y'all are watching, but 
Mario Chalmers got shit to say. Anytime you post anything about LeBron, immediately the Jordan fans come out and go crazy. Like, he's got something to prove. And he wouldn't have come back if this season wasn't important. Hell, you can actually say that the scoring title was a lot more important to LeBron than this entire season. All of a sudden, the season turned around. Now he's jumped back on the, on the, on the wagon trying to save the day. Meanwhile, they're trying to learn each other. Like, there's so many things in play here. Coming in here on Wednesday, the last thing you wanted to do was to get them focused for a game that you need. Let them lay in the weeds. Let them chill. <laughs> because now what you're going to get is fully focused Braun. You're going to get Anthony Davis back at the crib, and you're going to get a Bulls team that has shown recognition issues at critical, crucial points, not only in their season, in certain weeks, in games, in quarters, hell, in possessions. This team has had a problem sticking to the script all year long. So now they put themselves in a position squarely to be judged, to be scrutinized, and to try to figure out what next year is going to look like, too. Like, I think right now, because let's face it, the Bulls ain't going to win no damn championship. This whole, they can make things interesting. No, they ain't going to make shit interesting for Milwaukee. Not going to make nothing interesting for, for Philadelphia. Boston, I think, they could mess around and go six, maybe seven, if, they, if that's how the, the, the seating fell. Because right now, that Boston thing is, is not good. <laughs> I was watching them tonight, and they were sitting there getting blown out by the Washington Wizards. So that just lets you know where the Celtics are right now. By the way, Jalen Brown, um, I keep. I keep pushing this thing. You know, Jalen apparently just found out that Boston is, uh, you know, uh, sometimes uh, unfavorable for the African-American athlete. <laughs> He's just now catching that, catching wind of that, apparently. So, you know, maybe Jalen Brown, you know, comes into the United Center, likes the shooting backdrop. You know, we can start some rumors, start to push him towards the offseason that could be and can be trying to add a star. because. This season right now, dudes are playing for spots. Not, it ain't just the playing spot. Kobe White has sealed the deal to me as far as returning after his offer sheet is extended. He is a restricted free agent. Ayo Desumu, more so up in the air. A lot of these guys you count on as pieces who have been hampered by health, whether it be Alex Caruso, Javante Green. These kind of dudes are up in the air. Zach Levine is showing you what he can be and what the expectations should be going into next year. The DeMar DeRozan situation, I think, is up for grabs as well when this offseason comes. And, of course, the Lonzo Ball saga. I mean, your heart hurts for that dude because that, that man ain't playing basketball next year. But please believe he's opting in. He's opting in to get that last little ch you know, chunk of change because of how questionable his basketball future is. So. This, this game against the Lakers, this is an important game, not just for playing standings, not just for the Lakers playing standings either, but looking down those tests, staring down those tests and seeing if you can recognize and, and, and play with the kind of intelligence and toughness. Because the toughness aspect, since Patrick Beverly has joined this team, I think a lot of guys have reacted in ways that they didn't before. And I'm not saying it's because Patrick is in their face or, but they, they got an addition to the locker room that is respected. 
So you want to show dudes, hey, man, this is how I would do things. You know, before you got here, I don't know what was going on. You know, what was going on over here? But, you know, I was doing my thing. But you got to actually show a dude like that. So this team is played with a different intensity, uh, a different togetherness, um, a, a different defensive flair, a dif- different defensive aggression than they previously had. And their defense was training up anyway. But now we're going to see. How much do you recognize the mismatch that Nikola Vucevic poses in terms of his passing ability and also his three-point ability? Zach Levine, how clean a floor game can you play? There was a moment where he had 30 points the other day against the Los Angeles Lakers and had no turnovers. And then the last five possessions of the game, he had two turnovers. Can you play an entire game as cleanly as you possibly can? I'm not asking dudes to play a perfect game. Just play smart. You're talented enough, and I think that's been the issue for this entire year. I think that's why Bulls fans have been pulling their hair out or, you know, for the dudes who don't have hair like myself, you know, banging their head against a brick wall because talent is there. We got no problem with a team being more talented. We do have a problem with a team being smarter or tougher. And for too many stretches this year, that has been the case. So the the ball that they have played post-All-Star break has been plus basketball. But they've put themselves in such a position that they've had to play premium basketball, premier basketball. And the effort against the Clippers was lackluster, to say the least. Seems like they got what they needed out of the Los Angeles Lakers game and walked into the Clippers game, and by that third quarter, were done. So now that you've done the two small thing, Pat Bev, and now that you've put yourself in a position where every single one of these games matters so much and you're redlining it, while other teams are trying to sharpen and refine their rotations. Yeah, yeah. You're center stage, Chicago Bulls. Looking forward to seeing what you got. The Full Goal with Jason Goff. All right, that's all the time we have for episode 225 of the Full Goal podcast. want to thank our production staff, as always, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti. And, of course, the active Jesse Lopez, my man. All right, for everybody out there, Appreciate you guys, as always, for downloading this thing, for subscribing to this thing. Make sure you are following the pod and all of the pods here at The Ringer. Uh, thank you for rating and reviewing it. Uh, I don't read any of those reviews because my ego and pride won't take it. But if you are giving us the five stars that you should be giving us, thank you so much. And if you're not, then we're going to catch you in these streets at some point in time. Make sure you keep that voicemail line close Near and dear to your heart, 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. We'll take your uncensored, unabashed, and uh, unequivocated, and un- other uns stuff and content and all your calls. <laughs> we'll take everything there. If you got anything on your bird at any point in time, make sure you leave it right there for us, all right? Uh, we got the voicemail line for you. And on top of it, Thursday, check it out. We got opening day, so we will be talking baseball. We'll have some people who are at each one of the games. We'll get to see all the opening day shenanigans, everybody running around with shorts on, even though it's brick cold outside. So, yeah, opening day is around the corner. And we'll jump into a little NFL draft, NFL offseason stuff as well. Ryan Poles, man, that man loves talking. It is not a microphone that he won't step in front of and tell you what he's thinking. So I think it's time for us to get back on the the Bears offseason wagon as well as the draft and private workouts and all these other things continue to be underway. So for Jesse, for my man, Steve Cerruti, 
and of course, myself. We're thanking you so much. And as always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other. Be safe. And remember to stay suffering. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.